0: Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me here with you tonight. It's an honor to be here. Um, Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for gathering us together here to to talk about this incredibly important topic of starting a spiritual conversation. Through our study, we ask that you bless us with with wisdom and with knowledge to witness, and and then keep giving us those opportunities to, to witness to the people in our lives, to our loved ones, And then finally, bless that witness, so that many more might stand with us at your side in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so, real quick, um, oh, there it was, there was the prayer. All right, this is who I am. Um, My name's Dave, Dave Scharf. Uh, I am married to Beth Kelpine, so uh, Beth's brother was a professor at Martin Luther College when I was going there, and um, while I was dating her. And my friends didn't make that awkward at all. That was, that was just a beautiful thing. Um, I've got six kids, five girls and a boy. So Anastasia is a sophomore uh, at MLC. Zoe is a freshman at MLC. So Anastasia means resurrection. Zoe means life. So I've got the resurrection and life. Isaiah is a, a junior in high school. He is our only boy. So he will make a wonderful husband one day. Lots of experience talking with girls. Dahlia, she is a great baker Evie is a little peanut. She is in sixth grade, believe it or not. She's like half the size she should be, but what she lacks in size, um, she makes up for in personality. So you know how there's the the scale of introvert to extrovert, and you fall somewhere in there? Evie's like up here somewhere. So this picture is taken uh, in New York, the National Museum of Ice Cream. So very important place to go. Three ice cream cones during the tour. Uh, But we we took... uh, family trip to New York and, and they wanted to go on a subway, so we went on a subway. If you've ever been on a subway in New York, no one talks to each other, no one looks at each other, except for Evie. She had a captive audience. She was working the car, one person to the next. Like, hi, I'm Evie. My, or, I'm in sixth grade. What's your name? All of that. And then Nika is our baby. Uh, she is in fourth grade. I come from a big family. Um, I'm the troubled middle child of number seven of 14 kids. Uh, I have 56 nephews and nieces going on 59. Um, actually, the sister in this picture just had twins a couple days ago. Uh, so, very fun growing up in that family. Uh, I served for 11 years at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Greenville, Wisconsin. Had a blast there. My, my title there was the resident missionary. Uh, and so, outreach was. All I did, uh, but really, almost all I did uh, while I was in Greenville was a great time. And now for the last seven years, I've been at Martin Luther College. So that is me. But now a little audience participation is okay. So why is talking about your faith difficult? Think Think about how easy it is to make small talk with people. Like, it's about stuff that doesn't even matter. Like, I could talk sports all day long. I could talk weather, you know, we talk about the weather today, and then we go to the week's forecast, and then when we're done with the local forecast, and we say, hey, have you heard what's happening in California? Like, nobody cares. It's easy to talk about, though. Why is talking about your faith difficult? Any answers? Shout them out. Okay, so you're going to have people who are probably going to reject what you're, what you're saying, right? Uh, good. Any other reasons? Okay, yeah, you could lose friends. Um, some people say, well, I'm, I'm worried about offending people. Again, it's interesting. We're worried about offending people when it comes to faith, but not like the sports. So I'm assuming you're all, most of you are from Minnesota. I am from Wisconsin. I have no problem saying in front of a group of probable Vikings fans, the Packers are better. Yes. Okay, I mean, I don't mind saying it because it's true. No, but what I'm saying is I don't mind offending you in that, but oh, when it comes to faith, right? Um, we're, we're worried about that. Um, Or some people maybe say, I'm worried about saying the wrong thing, and if you really think that one through, before someone comes to faith, where are they going? They're going to hell, right? And so what is the worst thing that could happen after you talk to them? It can't get worse, right? So you might as well try to share that faith. Um, But here's, here's the real reason why it's so tough. I think it's because it's important, and the devil doesn't want you to do it. Uh, and so, since it is an important thing, the devil is not going not gonna to open up the doors for you to be able to share your faith with other people. But so today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about how we take um, spiritual or how we take everyday conversations and we try to turn them um, into spiritual conversations because the reality is there is something spiritual that you could lead to in almost every conversation. So um, this is not actually Tamar, um, or Tamar, as she went by, uh, but... A number of years ago, I led a, a tour to Israel, and uh, a buddy and I had a free night, and so we, we went out to eat, went to this restaurant, Tamar was our waitress, and she really wanted to talk to us, because we spoke English, so she was practicing her English on us, which is, which is great, um, and she took our order, and I said, I'll have a burger, and she, she kind of went, oh, I would never order a burger, and I'm like, oh really, Why? And she's like, um, I'm a vegan. It's wrong to kill cows. And I went, oh, I'm still going to have a burger, though. I'm sorry. Um, but anyway, she, she kept talking and, and found out we were American. She thought we were Canadian at first. She's like, oh, America. I love America. And we said, that's great. We love America, too. What do you love about America? And, and this was uh, towards the end of uh, Obama's presidency. And she says, uh, oh, I love Obama. I said, great. What do you love about him? And, and she said, he respects women. And I knew what she was talking about. But I thought, what do you mean? And she said, well, he gives them the right to choose. And I said, Tamar, so you're telling me that, that it's wrong to kill cows, but it's okay to kill babies. She actually started crying. She had never put that together. And she said, well, no, 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 I would never, I would never do that. I would never get an abortion, but I don't wanna stand in the way of anyone else who wants to get an abortion. And I said, Tamar, I just came, just from that day, I I just came from the saddest place on earth. I mean, it really is. It was one of the saddest places, the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. And you go in there and it's just darkness. And I said, Tamar, as I was walking through there, I kept thinking to myself, if there was only someone who would have stepped in, who would have just stopped him, would have stopped the madness, you know, rose up against that. But nobody would, right? And then I got to tell her about the God who saw us dying in our sin and who wasn't afraid to step in, send his son uh, to, to pay for all of our sins on the cross, to rescue us eternally. And the reason I tell that story is because um, I gave her my email address and then, and then maybe a couple months later, I got an email from Tamar and she asked for some sermons. So I sent her some sermons and, uh, and then a few months later, she emailed again and asked for some more. And so I thought, well, this would just be easier. I'm just going to give her the link to the website. She can watch our sermons online. And then I got an email a couple weeks later, and she said, you talk too fast. Send me the written ones again. I'm like, okay, fine. So I sent her some more written ones. Um, and, and I probably haven't heard for her now in, in, in about a year and a half. But um, the point is this, ordering a burger <laughs> turned into being able to tell about Jesus. And who knows, maybe one day, we'll see Tamar in heaven, which which would be my prayer. Um, So when we're thinking about turning a a conversation spiritual, it it starts with listening. So I am going to have you do this. I'm going to only give you 30 seconds. But I want you to partner up, somebody right next to you. Um, Pick one person to tell your life story in 30 seconds. You shouldn't be able to get through your whole life story in 30 seconds, so there should be plenty of time to fill. Um, And then the other person, all you have to do is listen. So I've got my stopwatch up here. And... Ready, wait, hang on, set, go. Stop. All right. So, raise your hand if your partner was listening. I'm hoping everybody raises their hand. All right. How could you tell? How could you tell they were listening? Eye contact. Eye contact. Yes. It's a very important thing, right? It is just one, one rule of evangelism is don't be weird. Uh, and not making eye contact is weird. So, if I, if I come up to, what's your name? Colin. Colin? Colin. Colin? Yeah. Colin, so if I come up to you on the street and I go, hi, Colin, how's it going? Yeah. That's weird, right? Yeah. yeah, super weird. But it's also weird if I, like, don't break my eye contact, right? Yeah, okay, that's weird too. But be normal, so eye contact, good. What else? How else could you tell they were listening? They stopped talking to listen to you. Yeah, they let you finish. Any others? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Body language, right? Yeah. I'm guessing maybe some questions, like they ask clarifying questions. Um, did you know, it, it, I don't think we think about this until it, it happens. Um, I've been on the phone a couple of times with people. You don't even notice what, that you're doing it, but every few seconds to show you're listening, you go, uh-huh, mm-hmm, uh-huh. Have you ever talked to somebody who doesn't do that? It's creepy, you're like, are you still on the phone? Like, but, so anyway, yeah, giving, giving clarifying comments, listening, an important part... Um, finally, you earn the right to speak uh, when you when you listen actively. You, you earn the right to speak because you show that you respect the people, um, you, you you care about them. Um, yeah, when I would go on outreach calls, and it'd be like an hour long outreach call. I well, maybe I'll ask this. Do you know some people say I can't talk to people? I'm not good at making conversation. Do you want to know everybody's universally everybody's favorite topic of conversation? It's themselves, yeah. So get them talking about themselves. So I go on an outreach call, and I would judge it based on, um, on at the end of the hour if they knew next to nothing about me. Not nothing, but it was a win, right? It was a successful thing. Why? Because I got them talking about themselves. And so listening actively, um, keeping in mind what you want for them, things to keep in mind. Oh, just kidding. That's a blank slide. Um, the one on the left says Expectations. Is it up there now? No. Okay. Um, expectation. So know what you expect for people. Have you, raise your hand if you've ever missed an opportunity to witness. Okay, everybody better put their hand up, right? Why is that? It's because we're, we're waiting for that perfect opportunity. We're waiting for the conversation to turn just so, so that we can come and swoop in with Jesus. Here's the reality. Since the devil does not want you to do that, how many perfect opportunities do you think you're going to have in your life? So close to none. Yeah, I would say I'll bet two or three. I'll bet two or three. God is so gracious with that. Um, but the point is, you may just have to cross the bridge anyway, even if it's not the perfect opportunity. One of the things that helps me is keeping in mind what I want for the people. So when I uh, went to um, North or MLC, I didn't know that I wanted to be a pastor, and so I went to Germany uh, my sophomore year for a semester of school, and God. Was so gracious to me. He gave me this group of about ten guys that took me under their wing, and we hung out and and did everything together. Um, Nine of them, nine of them were atheists. One of them was an agnostic, and we had some awesome conversations uh, throughout that we. I went to school in the mountains, and so we'd be going on walks, and I'd say, "Isn't God great? Isn't you know, isn't His creation wonderful?" And then, oh, that would get them going, right? And then, then we'd have a, a talk about God and that kind of thing. And towards the end of that time, it dawned on me, as I was getting ready to leave, I thought, you know, I love these guys. I want them to be in heaven with me. And I thought, what better way to do that than than to become a pastor and and, and make this my full-time work? But the point is this, um, I probably could have been helped if I had that expectation in mind the whole way along. And so I always try to remember that um, in the future so that I keep my expectations. I want this person in heaven with me. The second thing to focus on is um, being genuine. Uh, be genuine. Be yourself. If you're one person at a party and another person um, at church, that, that's really actually an issue. Um, people can sniff out, right, uh, somebody being fake. Um, I had a I had somebody. I had a starting point class going, and it was the first night. And it was a class full of people, and I, of course, knew them all except for one couple. And any pastor will tell you that's really unusual to have like a Bible information class and you don't know somebody who's there. So I went through the whole class trying to figure it out. Finally, at the end of the class, I had to swallow my pride and say, I probably just forgot who they are. And I went up to them. I said, I'm really sorry. Do I know you? Have we met? And they said, oh, yeah, we've met. Well, not really met. I went to a wedding that you did. And then I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, now I understand why they're there. Awesome sermon, and, uh, and they, want, they want to come join our church. And, um, and I said, oh, what, what caused you to come here? And they, they said, well, we, we weren't really looking for a church, but we went to the wedding reception, and uh, they had karaoke. The couple had karaoke, and I'm kind of a dork, and I like singing karaoke. So I went up there, and I sang karaoke, and they thought, you know what? At least he's being himself. And they said, let's check out his church. I mean, just, just being yourself, be genuine. And the last thing is um, to care for people, really actually care for them. People don't need you to be friendly. Well, be friendly, but they need you to be friends, right? Um, don't give people the impression that the only reason you're talking to them is because you want another notch in your evangelism belt. By the way, don't have one of those. Don't have an evangelism belt. Um, I, I think of when I was in uh, Tennessee. I vicared in Johnson City, Tennessee. Is there anyone from Michigan here by chance? Anyone? Do you, know, do you know what Michigan people do when you ask them where they're from? They show the hand, right? And then they point to where they are in the state. Tennessee can do that too. Ready? You ready for it? There it is. There's Tennessee. John City right there, right on the fingertip. Anyway, um, I lived in this, this really not great apartment complex. They were all first-level apartments, and um, like my patio was maybe that far from the next patio over, that kind of thing, and my neighbor was an atheist philosophy professor at the university, and so we actually became like super good friends that year. Um, I would give him my sermons to you know evaluate on the basis of philosophy, you know, just trying to get him exposed to the word. Um, and and he would he would come over to the like my screen door, and he would say, "Hey Dave, you want to have a beer?" And then I would look at my wife and I'd say. It's evangelism. I, I have to. Like, I have to go out on his patio. So, um, but anyway, there was towards the end of my time there, so we had gotten to be pretty good friends. Towards the end of my time there, um, he comes to the screen door, kind of late. I mean, it was like probably 10 at night. That's a little later than normal. And um, he obviously looked like shaken. And he's like, hey, you want to come talk? And He knew I was leaving, like that week. And all of a sudden, the water work started. And he was talking about how worthless life is, and how pointless it is, um, and, and how hopeless he was. And he like lifted his sleeve, and he showed me the welts on his arm. He was a cutter. Um, would have never known it. I mean, he was just very confident on the outside kind of guy. Uh, and I, I got to, I sat out there, um, I think it was till about three in the morning, and I just got to preach the gospel to him for like, like hours. It was awesome. And... Um, <laughs> Got back into bed, and my wife was wondering, what in the world were you doing till three? But, again, evangelism, right? Now, here's the point. Would he have ever opened up to me like that if I weren't really his friend? If I didn't show him that I really, really actually cared about him? Because I did really, really care about him. No, right? And so, so having that, um, really caring for people. All right, so do you want a chance to win fabulous prizes? Yes. So, MLC playing cards like it yeah this is like a good prize so here it is put the following percentages where you think they belong why did the people join the church so you're gonna have to kind of do it in your head i'm sorry the the percentages are not showing up do we can we fix that at all no yep that was the answers okay so this all right fine How about this? Why do you think they joined? Because of previous loyalties to that denomination, like, oh, I'm Catholic, so I'll join a Catholic church or something like that. Because the pastor visited them, because a friend or relative invited them, because trained lay members visited them, or because of the church's location or building. Which do you think is number one? You're saying three? You get a deck of cards. Right there. You said it too? I was going to say, no, he wasn't. He was going to say two. You know, I said two. I said, All right, I said we'll figure out a way to give these away. This did not go as planned, but that's okay. The point is, do you know what the lowest one is? That one, because the pastor visited them. That is the lowest one. Um, why is that? Well, it's because it's our job, right? Um, and they don't know us from Adam. When I'm standing on somebody's doorstep, they don't know me from Adam. I'm there because I have to be. That's what they think. I'm there because I want their money. That's what they think. Uh, so that, that, it's not, that. what about, because a friend or relative invited them, why is that different? It's because there's trust there, right? If somebody you love says, I think this would be a good thing for you, um, you're going you're gonna to do it probably, right? In fact, if I go, statistically, if I go to 100 houses and find 100 people home, by the way, that takes a minute. That's not like a, a one-day kind of thing. And I invite 100 people to church as a pastor. Statistically, do you know how many people will come? one and a half, <laughs> between one and 2%. If you invite a friend or a relative, statistically, 70% of them will come. And if it's Easter, 90% of them will come. And so again, that, that relationship is the, is the huge key. And the Bible shows this over and over again. Um, one example is this. Do you know the creepiest story in the Bible? Can you guess from the picture? Okay, do you remember this? We are legion, for we are many. Oh, did you? Oh, you deserve some cards. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> by the way, if you don't think that's creepy, tonight when you get home, go in the basement, turn off all the lights, and then just whisper those words, we are legion. Okay, that's creepy. I don't care who you are. Anyway, I love how desensitized we are to, I should actually keep an eye. Okay, desensitized we are to, to like these Bible stories that we learned from early on, some of us. Um, there are even like cartoon pictures of this, but this is a, a guy who is naked, um, bleeding all over because he cuts himself, chained in a cemetery. If you ran across that, what would you do? You would probably run the other way. What does Jesus do? Hi, I'm Jesus. Nice to meet you, right? Um, of course, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus casts out the demons, and then the people uh, goes on the pigs, pigs go into the water, and then the people come out, and they drive Jesus away because he ruined their pig business. And then the guy, who was demon-possessed but no longer is demon-possessed, saw the power of Jesus. He says, Jesus, I want to follow you. And you know what Jesus said? No. You go home and you tell them what I've done for you. And it's a beautiful illustration. A couple of chapters later, Jesus comes back to the region of the Gerasenes of the Decapolis and suddenly they're all coming out to him, flocking, wanting to hear him preach, wanting to have him heal. Why? What happened? Uh, so if you're one of those people that um, sometimes you meet pastors or, or people in your life and you think, you know what, they probably don't get a cup of coffee without like witnessing to the barista behind the counter. Maybe, maybe that's not you. Maybe that's not who you are. You Go for that opportunity if you have it, but maybe that's not you. What does the Bible tell us? Focus on the people you have a relationship with, right? All right, and then we want to cross the bridge. And so um, a few ways to do that one possible turn of the conversation. Uh, so if, if somebody says, you know, feel, felt, found, maybe just don't use them three sentences in a row, but uh, feel, like I could see how you might feel that way. Let's say they lost a loved one. You know, I could see that you feel angry with God because you lost a loved one. I, I felt that way too. Like when my sister was killed by a drunk driver when I was in high school, man, yeah, there was some anger for sure, but here's what I found. What I found is, and then you point to all the promises of God. Um, I, I know that Jesus loves me because, because he, he invested his own life in me. He, he, he died for me on the cross. Um, I know that the Bible says um, in Isaiah that the, 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 the righteous are taken away early so that they don't experience the evil. I think about that with my sister. If, if my sister would have maybe fallen away from faith in the coming years, then I'll be eternally grateful that God allowed her to go early, right? Or what we would consider early. Um, or, or if he was saving her from some terrible thing that was going to happen in her life. So that's, that's one way you could turn it. Um, another way, and you're going to be working with this one in your group discussions, another possible turn is the PPSS. So um, everybody's got problems. I'm pretty sure everybody you know has problems, right? And you can use that as an opportunity to talk about the main problem of sin and then find that solution in the person of Jesus. And then, of course, the little solutions They're not really little solutions. The promises of God and his word, the encouragement of Christian friends, being there for them, that sort of thing. So just an example of that would be, let's say you've got somebody who's struggling with insecurity, really low self-esteem. How can you turn that conversation? Well, I think when it comes to self-esteem, I think self is the the problem. I know I can never have high self-esteem because I know myself. I know my sin. I know that I can't live up to my standard let alone God's way higher standard. And so my value in and of myself is not very good. My self-esteem is not very good. However, you are worth what somebody's willing to pay for you. What was Christ willing to do? He was willing to give his priceless blood for you. You are worth the priceless blood of Jesus. And now, the little solutions, finally now, it doesn't matter what other people think about you or say about you. It doesn't even matter what you say about you. The only thing that matters is what God says. And what does God say? He says, you are my child whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So that's just an example of how you might turn that conversation. Um, talk about Jesus, obviously. So Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Uh, you prepare for all sorts of things, right? Witnessing should be no different. Just being able to have maybe a, a form in your mind that you could follow um, when you're talking to people about Jesus. Obviously you start with prayer, um, but then tell your story. What, what what impact has Jesus made in your life? Um, how, how has he comforted you? How has he gotten you through something difficult? Um, everybody has a story. Be prepared to tell your story um, and be prepared with some sort of outline in your head. Don't do it woodenly, but you know God's great exchange, right? The, um, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God gave me I gave God my sin, and God gave me Jesus' righteousness. So now when he looks at me, he sees his son. The Apostles' Creed you could even use if you want to have that in your head. Um, God created me. God, God the Father created me to love and serve him, but I've fallen short. And so God sent his son of saving love who died on the cross for my sins. And then God the Holy Spirit is the one who works faith in my heart and keeps me in that faith and continues to comfort me with his promises. You could just memorize one verse if like, if, if, if uh, this is the best way for you, a verse that has uh, both law and gospel in it. So the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. My tactic, I would, um, I would make up, not really, it's like sanctified lying. I would make up sermons. So like, they'd be talking about a problem. they be like, oh, I just preached a sermon on that. And this is what I found in God's word. It worked for me. But um, that might not work for you quite as well. Uh, but, Maybe some of you in the future. Uh, all right, uh, where we draw our confidence from. Just a few, a few verses. Uh, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. In other words, this checks our pride and our, and our, and our despair. Um, if they listen to you, they're listening to Jesus. And so all glory to Jesus. If they reject you, they're really rejecting Jesus. Um, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. And so if they reject, they're not his sheep, right? Um, And and so that's a comforting thing. Uh, This one's big. Don't worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you'll be given what to say for it won't be you speaking but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So this is a promise to the disciples when they went out and certainly in a number of ways throughout Scripture, we have the same promise. Um, I think of uh, one time I was at Emmanuel. I was uh, all by myself. We we had a vacancy and so I got some guest preachers. We had a Thursday night service. It was 7 o'clock. I had a guest preacher coming um, I was talking to the ushers, had the church open, and I'll always remember it was 6.41, I get a phone call. It's from the guest preacher. And he goes, oh, hey, Dave. ah, oh, sorry, man, I can't make it. Like, are you kidding me? So contrary to popular belief, you cannot write a sermon in 19 minutes. Uh, so I didn't even try. So I, I just started the, 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 the service, and I got to the sermon part. And my tip for you is if you ever have to preach a sermon and you're not, you don't have one prepared, make it short. And so I made it short, I probably preached for like 12 minutes, and then I'm greeting people on the way out, and I am probably drenched in sweat, you know, just because my heart was beating quite quickly. And God blesses every congregation, I'm convinced of this, with when a pastor totally bombs his sermon, just absolutely tanks it, there are still these sweet people, usually they're sweet ladies, who will come up to you and still say, good sermon, pastor. And it's kind of like, you know what? I know what you're doing. God bless you, but I don't need your pity, thanks. Um, but this lady came out of church and I don't think it was that. She took my hand in both of hers and she said, thank you with tears in her eyes, she said, thank you so much, Pastor. That's exactly what I needed to hear tonight. And I said, really? Wow, that's awesome. What did I say? I don't, I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. But Jesus, obviously, is going to bless us as we speak about him. All right, um, again, his word is powerful. So is the word that goes out from my mouth it won't return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Um, There was a famous preacher named Charles Spurgeon uh, and and he he had a young pastor come to him and say, "Uh, how do I defend God's word? I'm worried about being able to defend God's word. And Charles Spurgeon said to him, well, how do you defend a lion? How do you defend a lion? You don't, you let it go. God's word is powerful, absolutely powerful. And then finally, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I might be nervous going through a dark alley in a big city all by myself, but if I have a SWAT team with me, not so much, right? Jesus, way better than that, right? He is with you on every doorstep. He's with you in every conversation, and He will not leave you. And then finally, um, finally, follow up, follow up with um, with your friend. Uh, continue to keep them in your prayers. Continue to encourage them. Continue to invite. I think that's my time.